1: Welcome to episode 14 of Armchair Donkeys. We've got another special guest on the show today. Josh Booty was a standout two-sport athlete from Shreveport, Louisiana, who went on to play baseball for the Florida Marlins and football for the Cleveland Browns. Josh, you also played quarterback at LSU for the great Nick Saban. Coach Saban is about to coach in his eighth national championship game. What was it like playing for him?
0: Man, you know, he's uh every everyone that I talk to on on radio talk shows and podcasts, they always want to know a little bit about Nick. He's uh you know, we called him Nick the Dick. He was he was a he was a tough customer and that's for sure. You know, I had Jimbo as my offensive of coordinator as well. And Jimbo Fisher, who's now the head coach at Texas AM, everybody knows that if you follow college football, um, has similar personalities. They love to get after their coaches in front of their players, they everybody in the building, uh, they they require everybody to be at the top of their game. And I'm talking about the assistants, the staff, the, the administration, like everybody that helps within the, the sports organization or the football organization in the building, they really, uh, you know, those guys demand excellence. And has just done it for a long time. When I was at LSU, it was his first year there. I was his first quarterback, and he came in. We didn't really know much about him. Chancellor Emmert at LSU at the time who's now the president of the NCAA is the one that brought him in and, and from Michigan State and LSU had played a bowl game uh the Independence Bowl actually in my hometown of Shreveport uh and you pronounced Louisiana right when you when you uh, <laughs> opened up which is pretty good there man not a lot of, not a lot of people get that right but um you know the, Chancellor Emmert saw something when they played against LSU in the Independence Bowl And I thought we were going to bring in an SEC guy like Tommy Tuberville or someone had been around the SEC. And he went and hired Nick Saban out of Michigan State. And we're like, man, I don't know much about this guy. I did some research. He was on the Cleveland Browns defensive staff with Belichick uh, when John Elway led the drive back in the mid-80s. Like The guy had been in the NFL, coached at a very, very high level, had a lot of successful defenses, and then was a pretty good coach at Michigan State. Uh, had beat Michigan several times, so I I knew that he knew what he was talking about. And then uh, the staff that he assembled—guys like uh, Muschamp and Pellini and Dooley and a bunch of football names—Jimbo, uh, you know, it, it was it was just phenomenal what he did in a matter of a season or two. Just much like when he went back to Alabama in two years, he won the Sugar Bowl. I think at, at Alabama in three years the third year he won a national championship, and he's been winning them ever since. But I think he just just from recruiting and how hard he worked, he says he only needs three or four hours uh, a night to sleep. And I think he gets more in or puts more in to a day than most people do. And he's effective. Uh, his leadership is, is, is amazing. He's just super effective, man. I mean, we've been able to watch him over the last 15, 20 years. I mean, there's nobody that's ever done it any better for, for longer.
1: I love that. Uh, And you guys still keep in touch?
0: Yeah, we do. Every now and then, like when LSU plays at Bama, he'll usually leave me tickets or in the SEC championship game, he'll leave me tickets, which is darn near every year. I think they've been in the in this uh, the new playoff format's only been around eight years and they've been in in it seven times. I mean, Alabama's always in the big game. I cover LSU and the SEC and. And uh, you know they're always a topic of conversation in our league. Much you know, much less the national championship picture every year. So uh, you know, covered a lot of his teams, uh, followed you know a lot of his players, and and I, I like what's happened with the evolution of the offense underneath him uh, and them going to the spread. I think that was one of the best things he ever did. Was was kind of go with the times uh, or follow the times with the spread and the RPO and. They have so many great athletes at Alabama. We know they're always in the top one or two, three in recruiting every year. And then you couple that with that wide-open offense with great players and at every position, really. Uh, And, man, they're just blowing the doors off of a lot of offensive records, and it's fun to watch.
1: Yeah, uh, they've got quite a program that he's put together there. All right, before we jump into this week's, week's games, let's talk a little bit about what you're up to these days. You and your brother Jack have started an app uh, called Bula, which markets itself as a social challenge app. Now, my understanding is the app is a place where I can make bets with my friends. And and being that this is a sports gambling show, uh, I think it's something our listeners might be into. So let's say that Bob likes Alabama plus three (laughs) and I like Georgia minus three. Is there a way for us to make that bet on the app?
0: yes we're launching though in march uh it's taking a little bit longer than we thought but we've organized this thing to where you can memorialize a dare a challenge or a wager in about 10 seconds we've made it simple it's 100 to 100 which is awesome it's not we're not the bookie we're not taking a big it's just you matching challenges with friends and everybody can see it it's a social challenge app you mentioned that uh that's how we're marketing it um and yeah, my brother came up with the idea. Uh, a lot of times, when you bet with buddies at a bar, or you're playing video games, or you're playing basketball in the front yard, or whatever your challenge might be, uh, a lot of times the the loser doesn't want to pay up. And we figured this was a way for everybody to see it on a social uh, in a social environment, and then you're you memorialize it, and and then. Uh, when there's a winner or a loser, you have to pay. So there's like a Venmo capability attached to the the app, which is kind of cool. Um, so you know, if you if you bet ten bucks or a hundred bucks or a dollar, uh, you know that that money is that that money's good and it's going to come your way. And you've already accepted the bula. Bula means wishing you luck or life. It's a Pajian word. This is the and Bo, you know you know our logo. You've seen some of our stuff. And, and kept up with us from the start, but yeah, thanks for asking it's uh we're pretty excited about it. It's a global play for us. We think the next big thing in social is a call to action social app, and this is exactly uh kind of the the landscape in the u s too with with gambling becoming legal. We think it could be a big play for us um but it doesn't have to be just sports betting. it could be absolutely anything like Bo, can you get the girl's number at the bar for a for a drink, so <laughs> we can all bet and then watch you try to get the girl's number at the bar i mean watch, so watch it could be anything. On
1: my face, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> we well, you might have some takers on the lost side for, for sure, but um no that's that's what we're trying to get accomplished, and we're real close, we're testing it internally now and we're going to launch it uh, here at South by Southwest in March, so we're we're fired up to uh, be launching in Austin in March.
1: I love that. Well, let's get into this. Uh, Coach Saban and his Alabama Crimson Tide are a three-point underdog at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy on Monday night. The over-under in this game is 52. What are you seeing in this game, Booty?
0: Well, I was at the first matchup, the SEC Championship game in the Georgia Dome, uh, a month ago, and... Uh, Bama was down 10 to nothing. They outscored them the rest of the way, 41-14. You guys watched the game. Bryce Young was able to carve up on defense. They scored 24 points in the second quarter, and they haven't given up. Georgia's defense hadn't given up but 29 in the 12 games combined all year. So Alabama found something. Uh, you know, in that, especially in the secondary, because Bryce Young was able to throw the ball a lot in the second quarter. He threw for 268 yards in the first half. So Bryce Young was the difference maker in the game. I think they solidified that offensive line is healthy at Alabama, gave him a real chance in that ball game. They'll all be playing in this this big game. It 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 kind of when, when that line came out, I was I was really shocked. I thought it would be you know Bama the other way. To be honest with you, but. Georgia played so good against Michigan and people were hyping Michigan up so, so well, uh, leading up into that the big game, the playoff game. And Alabama really laid kind of an offensive egg. Uh, they have the Michi three got hurt in the Georgia game. So that hurt them a little bit. They don't have, uh, quite the weapons on the outside that they had a year ago. Um, but they're still so darn good, um, you know, offensively and, and, uh, they stopped the run. I think they're, Sixth in the nation in run defense, and Georgia's kind of a balanced attack. They don't have a quarterback that can really kill you through the air. He can make the right plays if needed. I mean, you guys know football as well as I do, and Bob played quarterback. I mean, I think the difference in the game is Bryce Young can do all sorts of things uh, well. You know, he can run the ball. He can throw it. He really looks to throw it, overrunning it. But he had a rushing touchdown in that Georgia game that was a huge – uh, play in the game, and then uh, and then Stetson Bennett, the quarterback at Georgia, turned the ball over, and, and, and uh, Alabama had a pick six, which really changed the game and, and deflated Georgia in the third quarter, I think with 12 minutes left to go in the game or something, early in the fourth quarter. So I I just think Alabama's uh, offensive, uh, you know, the the staff is great, but the the offensive game plan will be the same. Bryce Young let him do his thing. Uh, run the ball well enough to keep Georgia honest. Kirby's going to have to uh, – the head coach for Georgia is going to have to bring four, five, six guys because Bryce Young, when they just rush three or four he sits back there and has a heyday a field day because he's got the quick release and alabama guys can get open uh versus, like zone coverage i think more than most teams can because of their athletes they're going to have to bring pressure kirby's going to have to bring some pressure to stop bryce young that's going to be the difference in in this game potentially is if, if they
2: can kind of break break bryce young
0: down with some pressure
1: bob what are you seeing
2: yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what Josh is saying, and, and I go back to you know the the SEC championship game. I think the biggest difference is that in that was Alabama was so up tempo that Georgia, you know, I don't know, maybe they weren't prepared for it or they hadn't seen anything like that. But Alabama up tempo, they're not just throwing it; they're up tempo and they're still running the ball right, and they're wearing those guys out. And you go back to last weekend in the in the playoff games, you know, I, I think Harbaugh was a little hard headed of you know, trying to run the football against those guys. They should have kept their defense on the field, not huddled up and, and and kind of try to replicate that Alabama game plan. So, um, you know, with the line at plus three, uh, I like Alabama right now. I mean, especially because I don't think they're going to change what they do. I think they're going to play fast. They're going to, they're going to get up to the line of scrimmage. They're going to try to wear those guys out on the deep on Georgia's defensive side of the ball. Again, like Josh said, right. It's uh, a, the Alabama quarterback is a difference maker. The Georgia quarterback is nothing against them, but he's just a guy. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, right now I just think, uh, Alabama's good and not that, I mean, Georgia looked great, but there's just something about Saban and big games and those guys. And, and, and I just like, especially with him getting points. Um, you know, I, I got to lean towards the Alabama right now.
1: I'm 100% with you guys. I, uh, I drank the Mr. Brightside Kool-Aid and went full-blown donkeys on the Wolverines plus eight on Friday. Uh, I mean, that Michigan, that Michigan team, I want to talk about that Michigan-Georgia game real quick. That Michigan team physically dominated Ohio State and Iowa in back-to-back weeks and then went into the Orange Bowl and got absolutely man- manhandled by the Bulldogs. Aiden Hutchinson was a non-factor. They were out-physicaled <clears throat> on both sides of the ball in a game where I really thought that Georgia broke their will early. I mean, you had Harbaugh going for it on fourth down on, the, on their uh, – I think it was their first or second possession, and they were on like the – at midfield, which gave Georgia um, a, two, a two-score league shortly after that. They also had a DB and a wideout give up on balls that were in the air uh, that led to a long touchdown and, and a big interception. So, yeah, I think that um, everything – the ball just – everything went right for Georgia in that game against Michigan – Michigan was, was obviously overmatched, but uh, you know, here's the question is, is Georgia that good or that are they that good against teams who want to play power football other than their loss to Alabama? You know, they haven't seen a team and or gone up against anybody who can throw the ball like Alabama can. I I would, I would think that after watching Ohio state and the way that CJ Stroud played against Utah that they probably would have matched up a lot better against Georgia than Michigan did because they could have done, like you said, Bob, uh, uh, um, Harbaugh was a little little bit stubborn in that game, right? Like, he went in there, he tried to run it down those guys' throats and it just wasn't happening. And and he didn't have an answer for that to try and get down the field and make them defend them in the secondary. Uh, So, yeah, I, I don't know how you don't take Nick Saban in the natty, getting three points. Um, but if you want to play this game a little bit safer, uh, we've, been, we've been pretty hot on the teasers this year, Josh. And uh, I've got a teaser for you that pushes this to Alabama plus 10. I'm going to throw the lock at this thing. Uh, Josh, your LSU Tigers are playing in the Texas Bowl against Kansas State tonight. <laughs> The Tigers opened as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite but are now a seven-point underdog. Due to COVID, NFL opt-outs, and the transfer portal, they have only 39 scholarship players suiting up in this game. They've got 20 guys on offense that are missing the game and 19 guys on defense. Kansas State has a quarterback that's pretty good who had an injury in the middle of the season, missed a couple of games. He's going to be full going this game. I really like uh, Kansas State in a pick tonight. I'm going against your Tigers, and uh, and pushing that Alabama line to plus 10 on Monday night with a little two-team teaser.
0: I love now, a little two-team seven-point <laughs> teaser, baby. <No.
1: laughs> right, Buy and right. one, baby. Buying oh, one. I
0: love it i love it i might uh, i might take that with you actually i just wrote that down on the side note over here <laughs> <laughs> isn't lsu aren't,
2: aren't isn't lsu playing like a wide receiver at quarterback tonight or something like that they no so they got out? one scholarship they got one oh, okay.
0: scholarship quarterback he's a freshman from flower Mountain, texas grant okay. nussmeyer and he's thrown 39 passes all year i think a uh, couple of touchdowns a couple of picks but max johnson of course, hit the transport portal. Our starter all year, the lefty Brad Johnson's son. He's right. he's now going to A and M. I I just think that uh, what Bo said. I mean, we've had we've played with nine different combinations up front on the offensive line. We've got a freshman that started two games at quarterback. We've got a tailback that opted out, Tyron Davis Price. Our he had a thousand yards rushing this year, but but we really didn't even run the football well. To be honest, we were 200, I think, in in the nation in rushing offense and. And our and our feature back's not even playing. We got a, another kid that uh, Corey Kiner that's rushed for two hundred and seventy yards or something like that on the season. So, and then we've got six. One of the things I wanted to mention, uh, you you said it. We got a lot of defensive players out. Six of. LSU's top eight tacklers are out of this. They're not playing in this game. We lost Elias Ricks to Bama in the transport portal. I mean, it's just – it's it, LSU's in disarray. Brian Kelly's got a huge job ahead of him. And and I think it starts as soon as this game's over tonight. You know, I'm sure it's already started for him. But uh, just the outlook for next year, things have got to change. Orgeron lost the, the control of the, the building. And uh, you know LSU was five and five last year in the COVID year. They're six and six this year. We're five and six in the SEC. We've got to get better. I say we because I played there. But I, I follow them. I, I enjoy watching them. But it's not been fun to watch them since Burrow was there two years ago. And I think K State, because of their program and the way they're they played the last really uh, half of the year, and and us just being just giving up everything defensively. I mean, we hadn't done anything worth a darn. A lot like the University of Florida, they, they didn't do anything this year either. I think K-State can win this ballgame, that's for sure.
1: Uh, quick question for you. Ogeron won the national championship two years ago. You said he lost the building. Um, God, that, that feels like a pretty quick cut of the leash there for a guy that won <laughs> it two years. Obviously, you had you, had, uh, you know Burrow and Chase, which... They're, they might make a pretty deep run in the playoff this year. But, man, I mean, that just seems like they cut that leash pretty quickly there. How, how did he lose the program? You got any inside insight there?
0: Yeah, there, there's a few things uh, that led to, uh, you know, the downfall. You know, he lost a lot of his staff uh, two years ago, which, of course, they're, so, so the guys that came in weren't on that national championship team that were in leadership roles as assistants. Uh, had not really done the same kind of, uh, I guess, it not had had the success that those guys had had before they left uh, there. So there was turnover there. And you mentioned Burrow and Chase. I mean, Jefferson, of course, with the Vikings. We had uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was a first-rounder. We had all five offensive linemen back when we had that national championship run. Uh, two years ago. I mean, there was just leaders all over the field uh, on defense, too. Patrick Queen and Del Pitt and all these guys that are in the NFL and are making huge impacts on Sunday um, were on the team. And you lose, you know, I think 13, 14, 15 guys. I think, I don't even know how many, 15 guys of the draft, which was tied to an all-time record. Um, and then you got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that hadn't really played and hadn't been the leaders. And, and uh, they probably thought that you know, the world was coming to them, and it was going to be easy, and it's not. I mean, you guys know how that is at the college level. Like, you got to go earn it. I don't care who you are. That's why Saban, he's the best of the best to ever do it, because those guys, they lose a cupboard of guys every year, and they reload, and it's like they never lost them, and it could be Derrick Henry, or it could be Tua. It doesn't matter. They always show up to play uh, year in, year out, and LSU, I think, that was what they were hoping for. That Orgeron can continue doing that. Depend, not even. Uh, I mean, not even uh, with the same coaching staff. Saving that loses staff members every year. He does it that way too. Uh, in that regard too, I think. I, I just think he he didn't have the guys ready uh, to step up. And you know, he's a defensive line coach. He's not really a head coach. And and I I heard there were some there's some rumors too. Uh, that our strength and conditioning coach, and then we're having a little bit of a fallout. Uh, Her Orgeron got divorced. And so he was out hitting the dating scene, which was another, another whole thing. I mean, I got more stories about, you know, about selfies and all kinds of stuff that I could share, but I don't want it to come back to get me, but I think, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to be, desired you know left to be desired uh from how he handled it after he won i think he just he probably celebrated a little bit too long and didn't stay with the plan that had got him where he was at and and uh i think you know a lot of the players were talking about transferring now that all these guys are transferring it's like you can't win uh, championships if your best players are leaving and going other places we've we've lost players to a&m and alabama I Me, mean, elias ricks i mentioned earlier going to bama max johnson started a bunch of games for us now going to a&m and we're going to have to play both of those guys and they're going to be playing in different uniforms inside our side of the sec the division next year and that's that can't happen you know what i'm saying now, i hope brian kelly can do a good enough job if he'll be Brian Kelly and do what he needs to be needs to be done and go develop relationships with those high school coaches and recruit down there, I think he'll be fine because he seems like a consistent guy. It'll be easier to recruit at LSU because of the academic standards aren't near as high as high as Notre Dame. So I think he's got a chance. I just think he needs to be himself and and uh, not try to be anybody else or not try to be a Southern guy. Saban didn't come in trying to be a Southern gentleman. He was Nick Saban. Every day, every day, every day, in the consistency. And obviously, I think,
1: you're referring to that accent that Terry <laughs> threw on when he came down. Yeah, that it threw it me. Threw me
0: it threw me for a loop. <laughs> a,
1: a, a northeast guy coming in throwing on a southern accent for everybody. BU, yeah, BU, I
0: didn't like BU. that.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yep. He's going to have to win and win quick. And uh, you know, they so they're, these head coaches now they get paid so much they're short leashes. It's like Sarkeesian oh. at Texas. I mean, they want to win win 10 games, you know, his first year. And if it doesn't happen, they're already trying to figure out how to pay him 40 million to get out of his contract. Like, it's a crazy world we're living in. And now with the transfer portal and the NIL and all that stuff, it's like it's college football. I mean, it is totally different than it it was back when we all played. And, and, uh, you know, it's never going to be the same, uh, to be honest with you.
1: Did you see that Texas has a booster that is going to put up $50,000 per offensive lineman to show up at his charity events? Every well, offensive lineman on the team? No.
0: Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
1: All right, Bob, let's take it to uh, the NFL. Let's go to Philadelphia, where the Eagles are a seven-point underdog at home against the Cowboys. The over/under in this game is 42 and a half.
2: Yeah, so... Uh... You know, I've kind of I've, I've been a fan of the Eagles and how they played all year and that and the coaching staff and what they've done over there. And the Cowboys, to me, have you know, they've showed that they could be world beaters one week and show they can't even hardly play football another week. So um, it, it's for me right now, you know, who knows what happens in the world of covid and who misses and sits out. Right. But sitting here on a Tuesday, I like the Eagles getting points at home against the Cowboys. You know, it's a a full touchdown, and uh, I think they'll be able to contain that Cowboys offense enough and then on the flip side with Jalen Hurts put up enough points to keep this game within a touchdown. Now, I could sit here and the Cowboys could come out and, you know, do what they did a few weeks ago, but um, I just don't see that happening in Philadelphia against an Eagles team that is, you know, fighting for – their lives to to stay alive in this deal. So um, with it with it being a touchdown at Philly, Dallas, in my opinion, being somewhat inconsistent throughout the year. Um, right now, I'm leaning towards the Eagles and taking those points.
1: Josh, any thoughts here?
2: I like I like what he's saying. I mean, you know, Dallas
0: uh, has been kind of uh, especially the last month. Well, really, since Dak has come back. Uh, from his injury. I mean he hasn't played as well as he did prior to that injury. Now the Cowboys are loaded. I think with Gallup being out for the rest of the year, that's gonna hurt Dallas because he's that that third, that receiver that can just absolutely get it done for them and it spreads the field even more. They got they have a lot of weapons, you know, and I just I just think the Eagles at home getting seven uh in a game that uh they would love to to you know to win. I, I know that that's such a big divisional game uh year in year out and you give them seven points at home and the cowboys aren't playing really good on offense i think that they've got a chance Dak struggled last week um and uh i I just like them at home i I like them getting seven if the line was four i would probably go the other way i just think with seven you got to take the eagles at home they're they're playing they've got a really good football team you know and they're gonna they've won a lot of games they're not a slouch and in in, the league when you get someone the full seven points you know that's a lot. A lot of a lot of games come down to uh, one possession, and and uh, sevens a lot. Uh,
1: I agree with you guys. I got a little bit of a different play that I'm looking at taking, only because it's week 18. Um, Eagles have already clinched, and they can't improve, improve their playoff position. Dallas, on the other hand, is still trying to get that home field. Um, I think they, the the Cowboys will likely get the win in this game, uh, just because I. I I see the Eagles potentially resting some guys to get ready for that wild card game next week. But I do like, um, I don't like laying seven points. I don't like laying seven points in Philly. I like teasing the Cowboys to a pick them in this one and uh, buying the point on that. And and we'll talk about what I'm planning on doing that with in another game down the line. And, And again, the only reason I like it is because the Eagles have clinched. They don't really have. I mean, other than pride, yeah, it's a divisional game, but they can't win the division. They can't improve their playoff position. The Cowboys are still fighting for that first round bye in home field. So I think that that just weighs it a little bit higher on that that side for me. But I I wouldn't take it at uh, minus seven. I think seven's laying too much on the road in this game. All right, Josh, uh, take us to SoFi, where the 49ers are a five-point dog against the Rams. The over-under in this game is 44-and-a-half.
0: You know, the 49ers at the quarterback position is the big question mark in the game, and everybody wonders, you know, know, Garoppolo, yeah, he's hampered. Is Trey Lance going to play? He's only got several starts in his career uh the rams were able to come back and win that game last week and but they but the last three or four games they haven't done a lot offensively in the first half of course everybody's super pumped at stafford's there and cups having one of those uh you know year of all years at receiver uh and as an mvp candidate so i mean i know the rams can get things done odell's played well late uh of late and had a few touchdown uh catches i just uh I, you know, if I think if Garoppolo plays, this is kind of an either or. If Garoppolo plays and he he seems to be playing well, I would I would go with the Niners um, because I think they've won uh, they won 31 to 10 in week 10. They won five in a row. So Shanahan owns McVay, and not a lot of people probably even know that stat, but five in a row uh, versus any team in the NFL is very, very tough to do, and especially against McVay, who's had some really good seasons uh, early on in his career as the head coach of the the Rams. So I, I would say, you know, if Garoppolo plays, I'd take the Niners uh if he doesn't uh I would go with round with the Rams and and uh you know with Stafford over you know his experience way over Trey Lance, uh, Lentz in the, in that game so um you know it'll be fun to watch it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game I know uh the Rams are looking towards maybe even winning a Super Bowl this year I don't know if the Niners have that kind of firepower uh, I think the Rams can or one of the best teams in the league when they're playing well if they're not and they're very vulnerable and on offense they hadn't played well of late so i like the niners if garoppolo starts and he feels good
1: bob
2: yeah i, I agree 100 right if, if trey lance is starting i'm taking the rams if garoppolo is starting i'm taking the 49ers based off of you know I've, I've kind of said all year i think the rams are the most talented team in the nfl but they're also very inconsistent at times um so Um, I, I agree with what Josh is saying, you know, if, if it's Lance, you know, roll with the Rams. If not, I think it'll be close if Garoppolo's in the game.
1: So here's the deal with this game for me. Uh, my advice is to wait and see what happens in the Philly, Philly Dallas game on Saturday night. Stay away from it. If Philly wins, the 49ers will miss the playoffs with a Philly win, a loss to the Rams and a, and a Saints win. Saints and 49ers both play in the afternoon on Sunday. Philly <clears throat> Philly wins, and the 49ers will go all in against the Rams on Sunday afternoon. Now, if Dallas beats Philly on Saturday night, the 49ers are in the playoffs. They can take their foot off the gas and rest some guys to get healthy for that wild card game. The Rams are playing for a first-round bye. So the play in this game, in my opinion, is to hammer the Rams on the money line, or, on a, or, or in a teaser at minus two with something uh, like the Cowboys in a pick'em because Philly's in, not really playing for much. I like a two-team teaser at seven points, Cowboys in a pick'em, and Rams minus two because I think the Cowboys are going to win. And if the Cowboys beat Philly, the 49ers are in. Both those teams have a chance, uh, or, or Cowboys have a chance for a bye Rams have a chance for a buy. Uh, they're going to be playing to try and earn that buy. While Philly and the Niners, they got to go into a wild card game next week. And it looks like both of them are probably going to get in. And you want to go into that game healthy. You don't want to get into a dogfight this weekend with, you know, two, with the Cowboys and with the, the 49 or, or the Rams and then have to go play next weekend with some guys who might get banged up. So that's my two-team teaser uh, that I'm riding with in the NFL. Cowboys in a pick Rams minus two. Uh, or you can wait. You could wait and see if, if, if the Cowboys win. And if the Cowboys win, take the Rams on the money line. <clears throat> all right, Bob, let's go to Cleveland where the Browns are a two-and-a-half point favorite at home against the Bengals. The over-under in this game is 43-and-a-half.
2: I don't understand this line at all. I don't get it. Uh, I hate the Browns. I hate the way they play. Baker Mayfield hurts my head. He might not even play. He <laughs> may, he may, he may sit out. I mean, he, you know, they're talking about, you know, his health now. And should he play in this game? Uh, I mean, I just, they, again, another team with a ton of talent that just can't figure it out. And I think the Bengals are one of the hotter teams in the NFL right now. Um. So I don't understand how, the Bengals are getting points in this game um, yet again, like it, it's hard on a Tuesday, but you know, if this was Sunday morning and this was the line, I'd be all over the Bengals in this football game. Um, and it, this might be more of a, just my, you know, gut feeling of how, when I watch the Browns and I, it just pisses me off because I just don't understand how they play the way they play. But um, with the way Joe Burrow's playing right now, and, and the rest of that team rallying around that guy, if they're going to get points against this Browns team, uh, the the Bengals are 100%. Josh? Yeah, I kind of like the Bengals, too, after watching that Browns
0: debacle (laughs) last night in Pittsburgh. And, you know, week 18, we were kind of in uncharted territory. We've never had this many games in an NFL season. But the offensive line looked so bad last night for Baker, and Baker's lost confidence. I mean, T.J. uh, Watts was in his lap every play, and they had – two or three others that were in his lap every other play too. And, and so it was, you know, to, to think that the Browns could come off of that type of, uh, of game and Baker get sacked eight, nine times uh, and to feel good about betting the Browns would be silly, I think. I, I think I like the Bengals in this game, no matter what line is. Um, I know Burrow and, and them might not be uh, full go and all that because they're already, uh, you know, solidified their spot. But I like. I just think the Bengals are are riding high right now uh, emotionally, and there's a lot to be said for that. I think Cleveland's in a in a low spot. Um, you know, they got beat by a Steeler team that hadn't scored a touchdown in the last five games in the first half of any game that they played in in the last month or so. So. I just think the Browns are in a bad spot right now. Baker's banged up. Uh, Like Bob said, he might not even go. His left shoulder's giving him a lot of problems. His his ankle's giving him problems. I I talked to Tim Couch this morning after that game. I'm like, man, he took a beating, and Couch was like, that that looked like a beating he took when they moved the franchise back to Cleveland. He was the number one pick overall, kind of like David Carr in Houston. It's like, you know, it's a very difficult situation when you can't block him up front, then you start seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold did against Belichick two years ago. I mean, y'all, you know how hard it is at that position. Um, he wasn't reading things out. But I, I don't think he's he, – he's about as cold a passer there is in the league right now. He was 3 of 14, I think, in the first half. So, he's not getting it done. They got a, a lot of problems there in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see the, the lack of success that Cleveland had with OBJ and and – I mean, I guess one could argue he was the number one in Cleveland. He goes to to the Rams and he's the number two because Cooper Cup's drawing all that attention. But, uh, I mean, it's a night and day difference with him. I I thought he he was washed up. He was done. He wasn't coming back from that knee injury. He goes to L.A. and finds uh, some success over there. So here's my thing with the Bengals. They can still clinch a first-round bye with a Chiefs loss to the Broncos or a Titans uh, loss to the Texans. Chiefs play Saturday, Titans play uh, after them on Sunday. If the Broncos somehow beat the Chiefs, uh, this game becomes playable, I think. Uh, Might not be a bad idea to pay attention what is happening during the game In some of these games on Saturdays. If it looks like the Cowboys are going to win or it looks like the Broncos might beat the Chiefs somewhere around halftime or the third quarter, might not be a bad idea to take the Rams or the Bengals before those lines moves. Uh, that, that's that's my play in, in, um, in this game. I'm going I'm to be watching that Broncos-Chiefs game to see what's happening there. And if, if for some reason the, the donkeys uh, get it done against the Chiefs, which I doubt that they will, um, I'm going to be taking a pretty good look at that Bengals game. All right, Josh, let's go to Vegas, baby. The Chargers <laughs> are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Sin City. The over-under in this game is 48
0: and a half. Man, this is a tough one to call. I, this the, I think the only game of the week that's winner takeoff for the division. Uh, it's going to be an awesome game. Both both defenses are kind of middle of the pack, to be honest with you. I think the, the Raiders uh, have played better of late, especially defensively. They've won three in a row justin herbert though can get things done offensively and put up some points so i know the chargers are, are sitting there licking their chops probably that they've got a chance to to knock the raiders out and to do it the last week of the season uh i'm a big keenan allen fan I, he's one of my buddies my golfing buddy i'd love to see him do some amazing things but uh Derek Carr and what they're doing they get waller back Carr's having a, a pretty awesome year man uh I think they're sixth in passing yardage wise. I mean, it's not like he—he's not doing it through through the air. I mean, he's having a heck of a year. I—I think the Raiders, being a better defensive team, they got a real chance of winning this at home. I would go with the Raiders uh, in this matchup. And and uh, like I said, they're—they're they're one of the hottest teams. they won three in a row. Riding them, why not ride them and four in a row
2: right here at home, Bob. Yeah, I mean, for the sake of betting, for, for me on this game, and Josh brought it up, right, you have two kind of middle-of-the-road defenses and two really good quarterbacks that are playing well. So I like the over in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Um, and I just think, what did you say, it was 48-and-a-half? Is that what it is at right now?
1: 48-and-a-half, yep. Yeah,
2: I mean, I, I like that a lot right now in this game. I think there, it's going to be a shootout. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored between these two quarterbacks. Uh,
1: I, uh, I got killed by Derek Carr last week. I had Indy at home uh, in a teaser and on the money line in a parlay with the Seattle Seahawks and uh car looked good last week. You also got to keep in mind, those guys are playing for a little bit, something more. Now uh, you lose a guy like John Madden, who's the, the face of that franchise for a long time. And uh, you got a little bit, something extra to play for, which, for whatever reason in football, when you're talking about thirty guys a game that step on the field, it ain't five on five hoops. It's it's thirty on thirty or thirty plus on thirty plus, and that little bit of edge that you get uh, when you're playing for something more than yourself, the Raiders. I mean. I think the Raiders are going to get into the playoffs somehow in this game. Although I will say this, Adam Bledsoe sent me a Bleacher Report tweet that said if these two teams tie, they both make the playoffs, and they should just both kneel on the ball for four quarters.
0: Of the <laughs> game time. I saw that. That would be hilarious.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the NFL would love that in Week 18. All right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have for you today. Good luck this weekend to all you donkeys out there please give us a follow at armchair donkeys to get our weekly plays in real time on our Instagram story and hit that YouTube subscribe button to stay up to date with next week's episode. Thanks for joining us today, Josh. I think that uh, we need to get you and Jack out to Vegas with Bob and I for a little Bula challenge at the wind.
0: Let's do it baby around March madness. (laughs) I was
1: going to say the exact same thing. March madness win. Hundred percent. A little little uh little action at the uh on, on the games and uh let's get it done.
0: Let's make it happen. Let's do it, baby. I'll be there, brother. I promise you. You know me, I'll show up. Just name the game. Let's go. I love it. All right, boys. There's All right, us. be good. Thanks, guys. Yep.